Hello, listeners, and welcome to Fighting Failure, a podcast where we discuss solutions to the climate crisis. This is episode seven and is part two of a two-part segment titled What You Put on Your Soil. And the topic for part two is fertilizers. Again, I would like Sandia to give a brief introduction to the topic for listeners who do not know or may not be 100% sure about what a fertilizer is. A fertilizer is a substance that can be laid on, t- on the topsoil of an agricultural land to, put, to input chemical substances into the soil and boost the growth of crops by increasing the soil fertility, hence the name. With the hopes of ensuring a healthy harvest for the farmer or gardener, fertilizers are made to enhance the growth of, of the plant. Note that a fertilizer can be natural or artificial. More on that later. For now, some introductions. I'm Hisham, or Hisho, and I'm your host for this episode. My co-hosts are... Hello, I am Oscar. Sorry if I sound a bit tired. I was volunteering at a vaccine clinic yesterday for four hours, and I had to tell 500 people to take off their coats. And I'm Sandhya. We're mo- we're getting all of our stuff recent. We got re- all of our stuff recently, so our house is being unpacked, which is why the audio might sound different. So let's start by highlighting the REDD Plus demographic that we've mentioned in episode five and episode six. Oscar? Hello. So as always, we have our vertical pie chart, which shows the proportion of deforestation drivers. What are they? So in all of the three continents, Africa, Latin America, and subtropical Asia, agriculture accounts for more than 70% of deforestation drivers. This is split about evenly between commercial agriculture, where you're growing crops to sell, and subsistence agriculture, where you're growing crops to eat yourself. Um, The last, between 30 and 10%, are for things like infrastructure, mining, and urban expansion. Um, Surprisingly, urban expansion is actually a very small proportion of this thing. The second chart is hard numbers rather than proportions, and it shows that Latin America has more than double the amount, the the raw amount of land that's being deforested compared to Africa and subtropical Asia, with almost 45,000 square kilometers being deforested every year between 2000 and 2010. Again, this is mostly for agriculture uh, with very small proportions for other things like mining, urban expansion and infrastructure. Now, I swear that the EPA has updated the demographic in the last week or so from the 2018 measurements to the 2019 measurements because the same link has provided a different demographic that highlights a 2019 demographic. So anyway, in 2019, the total United States greenhouse gas emissions by economic sector was 10% agriculture, 13% commercial, 23% industry, 25% electricity, and 29% transportation. And again, this 10% of greenhouse gas emissions comes from the 44% of the United States that is agricultural land, as mentioned by Trading Economics. And as listeners of prior episodes will know, the links will be in the show notes. And today, I actually want to start by highlighting the benefits of fertilizers. So now we'll move on to that. So I'll just begin by highlighting that it uh, fertilizers increase soil fertility for easier plant growth by recycling nitrogen or inserting ni- nitrogen into the soil. Introduction of bacteria to assist in the growth process can help temporarily refertilize infertile areas after drainage or other forms of degradation and hence assist in the growth and return of plants. This can both improve cropland and assist in healthy harvests or improve pasture land and lead to healthy grass grown 
and hence good pasture land for your cattle or other livestock. So Hisho, why is nitrogen so important for soil fertility? Why do plants need nitrogen? Can we just do a quick search on that? Nitrogen, I'm reading off the cropnutrition.com website. Nitrogen is so vital because it is a major component of chlorophyll, the compound by which plants use sunlight energy to produce sugars from water and carbon dioxide. Yeah, so if you, if you know how plants work is that they have they use photosynthesis to get sugar, and the way that works is that the, the sun provides... To produce sugar, yeah. ...energy, and the way that they harvest the energy from the sun is with chlorophyll, um, and so nitrogen is a major component of chlorophyll, according to this website. Uh, so that makes sense, if they need nitrogen, because it's it's a bit like we might need certain proteins so that our tongue can work or our digestive muscles can work. Um, so yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, that's good clarification, so thanks for that. Um, link to that will be in the show notes if you want to read more on the importance of nitrogen in the soil, and that'll come up again later um, in our solutions and, yeah, and our problems. So nitrogen is important, and it's used in both um, it's used in both fertilizers and it can be provided by plants and that'll we'll highlight that so stay tuned okay sorry for that okay so regardless of these benefits there are quite a number of downsides to the use of fertilizers so yeah let's start with manure if it's not applied correctly there is a good chance that it'll end up being harmful so i assume he showed you're talking here about if you're using say cow packs that you found from your cows as a fertilizer for your veggie pot, these are some reasons why it's not always perfect. So first of all, if too much is applied or is applied at the wrong time, so maybe it's too wet, the critical nutrients that you find in the manure can be lost. And then these nutrients become pollutants in the air, underground or above ground water. So you might run the risk of contaminating the local underground water supply, maybe if you have a borehole or even above ground water like rivers or streams or dams that you might use for drinking or for irrigation. This can cause excess nitrogen, so you know you can have too much of a good thing, and increase nitrate, which is nitrogen and oxygen, concentration, which leads to bacteria blooms in the water. Uh, and so bacteria blooms can kill many fish. I assume they're also not good if you're using the water then for irrigation or for drinking, say maybe you're piping the water from a dam into a trough for your pigs or cows to, to eat. Yeah, that's right. And I just wanted to say, we're going to mention that later. So that will be in our article um, for today. That's all about, um, that's all about uh, algae blooms in water. So just stay tuned for that. Yeah, I think we do have to distinguish between um, bacteria and algae. Well, it can, yeah. So I, I, I didn't, um, I should have said bacterial and al algae blooms, and it's actually microorganisms, so it, it can be, it can be a ton of things, and I should have, um, kind of when making bullet points, I should have said that it can be, um, I should have said uh, microorganism blooms, because it can be many, it can be many things, um, that are, that kind of expand throughout your water system due to runoff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about bacterial blooms, but I know about algal blooms. And what I know is that the algae, although algae is very good for photosynthesis and also releasing oxygen into the atmosphere, um, a large layer of algae across water prevents sunlight from reaching through the algae and into the water, which can harm photosynthesizing plants underneath the water uh, and therefore less plankton and fish therefore can't eat krill 
I don't know if you have krill in dams in the outback, but uh, it, it, it prevents sunlight from entering the water, which is definitely not positive. So anyway, furthermore, phosphorus can run into rivers, lakes, and other bodies of water through erosion, which means it's being carried with the soil or runoff. And this, again, can assist in the growth of unwatered plants, such as invasive species, weeds, uh, and also algae, which you talked about before, can be harmful to water sources. Um, so this means that, sorry, furthermore, manure puts out a fair amount of methane, um, and we've talked about methane before, it's a very potent greenhouse gas, uh, but it's also um, a source of a source of energy, you can burn it in your hob, I'm just going to wait until this can't go past, it's also a source of energy, you can burn it in your hobs, you can, it's often burnt in power plants as natural gas, uh, and that, that's methane, and so actually, when methane's burnt, it makes carbon dioxide, which is less, uh, less potent than methane itself, and so actually, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but literally, cowpats and this sort of manure and organic matter is a source of energy generation with biomass, is you can actually collect the methane coming off of this as a source of renewable gas, but understandably, then this means that if you don't collect the gas coming off of it, you do have a very potent greenhouse gas. Methane is so much worse than carbon dioxide, it's many multiples the potential of carbon dioxide for global warming. Um, I'll have a link to something like that in the description. I think there's something to be said about global warming potential. And also, if you have interest in like in fuel and energy, we're going to be covering that in season two of our podcast. Um, and that's upcoming quite soon. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. Um, and then methane is also harmful to workers and those exposed to it. There's, there's a reason that natural gas that's come through the grid is because uh, methane is odorless, um, but it's got a chemical added to it that makes it smell of gas, I'm doing little air quotes here, um, because it doesn't smell of methane. It's, um, if that's a chemical added it to make it smell, because it's so dangerous, it needs to be detectable by the nose. And that's why if you smell gas, you should leave the house and call um, some local hotline about gas so that they can come and fix the leak because it is so dangerous. So be careful when working with manure because the methane is a harmful gas that's just sort of coming off of it um and <laughs> I, I love that he chose to put this as the last bullet point about manure is that it smells bad um i think so i think it smells pretty bad that's not the methane the methane is not the part that smells bad yeah it's not the methane it's the it's the manure as a whole just in vermont especially they just pile it over all the crop fields in like june and and um may and may and june and it's just it wafts all through it can go it can wave through like multiple towns so it can the manure can be towns away and it you can still smell it it's just this like it just yeah i mean it's really strong in our, in our farm in australia we we often have we have a it's a cow farm um it's very leisurely it's not really a commercial production but you often pick up these cow pats and put them in the back of the ute which is a pickup truck for if you don't understand that lingo uh and then bring it and just plop them on the vegetable pat um to help it grow but it get, can be stinky one more thing, if you followed us on the Instagram, you'll see that I actually once drew a pile of poop when I got my pen tablet. I drew a pile of poop and posted that with a little thing about how methane is coming off of it. So maybe I was foreshadowing this entire episode. Go follow us on Instagram at Fighting Failure Official to see that and many posts like it. Breaking news, Oscar is a fortune teller. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak much for now because there's a huge propeller plane above, which is making lots of noise. So now... I want to move on to compost. So compost is a great way to reduce food waste and benefit your crops by 
feeding the soil some nutrients that can assist in healthy plant growth. But compost can still lead to the release of gases such as ammonia, methane, nitrous oxide, and can all impact air quality. And some of them happen to be greenhouse gases and can be a factor to global warming. And compost, yeah. Is it ammonia or ammonium that smells like urine? No, it's ammo- uh, it's, I think it's ammonium. Yeah, because the only difference is that one is NH4 and one is NH3. I can never remember which is which. Yeah, we did that in chemistry as well. But I don't know which one smells... It's one of them is in P, right? Is 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 one one of them is in P, right? I'm I don't know if it's in P, but it definitely smells like it. I think it does say ammonia here. Let me just search ammonium as well. <laughs> Check it out. No, it's definitely urine smells like ammonia. Um, so that's interesting. So your compost will smell like you've yeah done a wee in it. <laughs> okay, that's a fun fact. Um, good addition. So, anyway, and um. I just, so moving on from that ammonia smells like pee, side note, compost can also cause runoff and the same undesirable effect of algae blooms, bacteria gro- uh, growth and all that nastiness in your local water sources. So it, it takes a lot of smart planning to prevent runoff and that will be highlighted in our solution section. Um, and I just wanted to say again, this can also assist in the growth of weeds um weeds uh surrounding your crops and that means more time weeding and no one likes weeding i spent like an hour this summer weeding my grandma's garden and there was this one stuck under the pole and i was yanking at it for 15 minutes and it finally came out and it was like it was basically a small tree and it just i mean it's not fun it's not fun so i don't i don't recommend weeding so um yeah so it it uh yeah so that's just uh that's a downside to compost and other fertilizers. Before we move on to the inorganics, could I just uh, tell, tell my own story with compost as well? So I've got a manure story. When, when we were living in Malawi, um, I know Hisho is living in Malawi now, but um, we all used to live in Malawi. I don't anymore. We had a vegetable patch. Or I don't know if vegetable patch is the right word, but a little vegetable patch. Oh, yeah, it's a patch, not a pat. <laughs> um, a vegetable patch in the garden where we're growing some veggies. Uh, and we also had a big compost pile where we put all our food waste um, and organic waste and we put it in this pile and after a while it made some really good looking soil and then our gardener would help us out and that really helped our vegetables look kind of good but then it was a bit amateur and I don't know how well the vegetables turned out but it was it's nice to see that compost is really looks really like a healthy soil and it's quite incredible what your sort of eggshells can you put eggshells in compost yeah you can eggshells don't put meat because that'll attract rodents um but eggshells say corn cobs, all of that stuff that might seem quite hard can turn into this beautiful, luscious soil. It might be a bit disgusting, but you can sort of tell by looking at it that that's really good for plants and that's got some hearty nutrients in it. Okay, so the inorganics, um, things that are man-made, essentially, or chemical, or yeah. Um, so nitrogen with or without inhibitors, potassium, phosphorus, calcium, and micronutrient fertilizers, as well as inhibitors, are all examples of inorganic fertilizers. Okay, those are all examples of inorganic fertilizers. So as usual, the inorganics are environmentally speaking worse than the organics. Um, pretty much everything 
people make are is worse than what nature provides. Yeah, I guess because things like manure, manure, manure and compost have been naturally created. Have been naturally created. Just I guess you know cows pooping before humans are here, just left on the land that happened and that was sustainable. And the same with I guess bits of organic waste sort of piling up and that's what happens like. I think in a lot of rainforest environments especially and temperate forest, you have leaves falling down and dead logs and all that stuff. That is basically a natural compost and that is sustainable and that provides nutrients. And so that's why the organic things are more sustainable. Okay, but um, I just wanted to... I just... I just um, when Oscar started talking about... Sorry. When Oscar started talking about manure, I remembered my comment on how bad manure smells. And I just remember there was this one time in the US when, when we were driving in my in like my grandpa's uh, mini convertible, my grandpa's mini convertible and the, the hood was down. And so it was open and my sister was in the back seat and I was, uh, I was in the back seat with her and my dad was in the front and we were driving to a swim meet and I got, we got this like lo- uh, long whiff of cow manure and I was commenting on how gross it was. And she was like, it smells yummy. I was like, how can cow manure smell oh, yummy? Gross. Cow manure is the waste product of cow. Anyway, that's a fun story. Um, so these inorganics can eventually put out gases into the atmosphere and reduce air quality, as well as putting effect on our planet and cause tons of problems related to global warming that will take way too long to highlight. Those, all of those like chemicals in the fertilize, man-made fertilizers create like problems that including, and, but not limited to, the melting of polar ice caps, the rising of water levels, and the release of more G- GHGs trapped beneath permafrost, henceforth killing this killing of many species, including humans and natural wonders such as the coral reefs. And large forests. And large forests. Yeah, the permafrost is an interesting thing because that's, I, I, I guess that's, the permafrost in the name, it's perma, which is like permanent frost. Um, but the thing is that, with the melting of the world and the rising of global sea levels, the permafrost is no longer permanent. And these things that were supposed to be trapped under there forever are now getting melted. So in Svalbard, you'll see bodies that have been buried under the permafrost are now being regurgitated. How wonderful. Yeah. And maybe Sandia, I'm not sure if she will, but maybe she'll highlight that in her conservation section. Um, but, okay. Um, furthermore, the overuse of such fertilizers does slowly degrade soil fertility and as an outcome, has harder hardened soil. So I think we've talked about this. What was it? Was it last episode or episode five? Yeah, we, we've discussed soil degradation um, as a large part of the agriculture section. And so, um, when you know, it's what like what Oscar was saying. So when you see compost um, soil or um, just naturally rich soil. Um, it's like this black, uh, super dark brown. Um, maybe you'll have earthworms in it, and that's healthy, um, fertile soil. Then you'll have some soil which is just like regularly brown soil, and that's like quite fertile soil. And then you'll just have like crusty soil or dusty soil, which is infertile soil. Um, and so crusty and dusty aren't good. So, yeah, and that's um. So there's many things that can cause that, and I guess that one of those things is um, the overuse of um, inorganic fertilizers. That's really helpful to know. Crusty and dusty. Crusty and dusty. Anyway, this leads to the loss of topsoil and soil infertility, meaning that 
the, that the soil will be harder to use for plant growth, both natural and agricultural. Um, so it just means that nothing, well, not nothing, obviously, but it'll be incredibly hard. Basically, nothing will grow because they don't have soil microbes to assist in the ab absorption of nutrients and whatnot. So, yeah, um, so that basically makes everything harder to grow, whether it's your farming or whether it's you... You want to see a forest spread out of midair, uh, well, spread spread out of nowhere. Like, um, it just it's not gonna happen, basically. Well, imagine that a forest drops out of the sky. That would be pretty cool, huh? That'd be pretty cool. That would be like awesome reforestation. Maybe we should like maybe we should invent something which like flies above the earth and just like drops down trees and they like kaplunk into the soil. Yeah, flying flying forests. Anyway, um, yeah. And anyway, just for more, if you if you want to read more on this, um, a link will be provided, as we've already said. Um, it is, however, a PDF download, but this link is a PDF download, so do not freak out when it tries to download the file to your device. Don't freak out like, oh my gosh, I'm getting hacked. Sometimes, sometimes when I get like a PDF downloading to my... Um, finally, the inorganics... Um, are commonly produced in factories, and this puts out emissions as well, so it's also the production process. Great. But you know what doesn't put out emissions? Our merch site. The merch is produced in a renewable energy-powered factory. Shop.fightingfailure.earth or merch.fightingfailure.earth. Go there now. Walk around wearing some good old fighting failure merchandise, huh? Yeah. Anyway. And our final point for the problems is the packaging of certain fertilizers um, for your use is just another source for plastic pollution. And I don't want to ramble on, but plastics in water can break down into microplastics. Um, and when ingested, can be a cause for cancer. And as everyone knows, plastics also choke animals and harm their habitats. Um, um save the turtles, don't use plastic straws. I'm a visco girl now. Um, and they also harm their habitat. Um, anyway, more on this will be coming up in the waste section, which is going to be coming soon. Um, anything else, guys? I mean, like, in regards to the, the ocean, like, pollution and stuff, in first grade, I made a poster, and I had, like, little pieces of plastic that I stuck onto the poster. And then I drew a turtle dying in the plastic. How gruesome. Yeah, also, it's important to remember, even if you're thinking, oh, I don't care about the little fishies, when the microplastics get into the water supply, then the fish eat them, then the bigger fish eat them, and then you eat the fish, it's estimated that we, we can see that humans are ingesting bits of plastic. It's coming back to bite you. So seriously, don't use a plastic straw, don't use single-use plastic bags, use a reusable water bottle, so many easy ways to cut down on plastic. Okay. And don't buy fertilizers in plastic bags, but more on that in our solutions. So, now it's time to move on to solutions. Decord. First things first, agroforestry. One of my personal favorites, um, we've mentioned it before, um, one method of agroforestry suggests keeping certain trees on your farmland so that their leaves once fallen, can be used as a mulch. However, this requires specific trees that constantly lose leaves or lose them during farming season so that you, um, so that 
it so that this may not so that this can work basically however even if it doesn't mulch during farming season it can still benefit you by preserving soil fertility until you next plant your crops and a bonus is that as the leaves decompose they can provide um as a natural fertilizer and you'll have to find out which trees can provide the service in your area or just experiment with it if you want to plant a garden or have a farm that uses agroforestry that wants to use agroforestry as a solution to overusing fertilizers. Um, and I know my dad uh, did some stuff with this uh, related to this in his first project um, where he was promoting where he was kind of promoting the idea that people keep this certain tree um, on their farmland um, so that it can so that when the leaves fall, they um, they kind of break down and they um they decompose into the soil and they they kind of provide as a compost as well as a mulch um until they break until they fully bro broke down um yeah yay mulch it's a good idea um unless if it's tobacco mulch don't use tobacco you'll mulch. have to find out which trees provide this service in your area it sounds like yeah i'm not gonna like look up i'm not gonna like look up what trees are in Oxford, England, and then I'm not going to go to, like, what trees are in Wisconsin, USA, and Vermont, USA, and which ones are... Oh, it's going to take... <laughs> it's going to take forever. I can't go through every place in the world just to find out which trees are going to help you. So that's a little bit of research on your, on your behalf. But remember what I was talking about before, about how, like, forests and rainforests, the trees fall and it's a natural fertilizer? See? I was correct. Yeah. That, that's why it works, is because it's been happening in nature for thousands, millions of years. Let nature do its job. And furthermore, keeping trees on your farmland or around your garden can also assist in holding down topsoil because the roots hold the soil together. And this is why you see in places where there's been large-scale uh, deforestation, we're also seeing huge desertification because there's no more trees. They're not holding the soil together. And then when the rain comes, it just washes all the nice soil away and you get a desert. And for those who don't know, desertification is a real term, and it is it refers to the world, I guess, parts of the world turning into desert because of the loss of soil fertility and the loss of the soil, so the soil's ability to assist in the growth of plants. So basically, plants can't grow anymore, and that means that the soil, um, and that's also because the soil is now dusty, it's it's or crusty, and so that's like that's kind of desert-like then, and then that area can no longer um, inhibit the growth of certain plants. And then that means that um, you've got the kind of the, the forming of a desert. So another thing you should do is you should not buy compost from a store. Either hashtag keep things local, or start your own compost as both are better than buying a factory produced plastic packaged carbon air mile or road mile transported compost for your garden or your farm um, we did this as i said in malawi you just get all your food waste you tip it in a big old pile with some nice dirt you shovel it around for a bit and voila you have some beautiful rich soil you can look up guides online on how to make your own compost it's really easy and it's got beautiful results and i wanted to just also add to that it's not just in malawi that you can make compost oscar um which it sounded like that a little bit but um it's so I'm, I just wanted to say that um, com you can make compost anywhere. Just I think what Oscar's saying is that in Malawi, there's no option to like buy compost, whereas in the US and um, like the UK and the rest of Europe, there is. So 
Um, so here it's like you kind of forced if you want to have compost to make your own, and that's that's a good thing. It for sure is. Um, and that point kind of leads into don't buy inorganic compost for all the reasons that we mentioned previously. Rather, like we said, um, use compost, um, m- a minor usage of manure and that. So um, just don't buy inorganic compost. Um, boycott that. Tell your friends not uh, and your friends' parents, I guess, who are actually going to be doing the buying, not to buy inorganic compost because that's that's quite harmful to soil and um, the surrounding na- the surrounding uh, the surrounding ecosystems, especially the aquatic ecosystems surrounding the area. Can I talk a bit more about inorganic compost? I like to liken it to a drug. Let let's say inorganic compost is a bit like cocaine. You put it on your soil, and your soil has a massive high. You get a huge crop. The the plants are getting really well, but then next time it's it's like oh now it's gone to an all time low. And the once you've harvested the crop, the soil is crusty and dusty. So then you give it even more. But inorganic fertilizer, it's like a drug, you have to get more to just get the same amount of high. And then the next year, you have to get even more fertilizer just to get the same amount. And this is lowered the baseline of the soil, just like in drugs, lower the baseline of your happiness. Uh, and as a result, I think it was some statistic in Kiss the Ground, the documentary he showed and I have seen on Netflix, you should watch it too. Um, it shows that we're now using so many more bags of fertilizer to get the same amount of crop. And so it really is like a drug and that you have to use more and more just to get the same result. It's also important not to use or especially not to overuse um, inorganic or even organic composts or fertilizers or manure in close proximity to water sources such as streams, lakes, dams, rivers, because this contaminates the water source. It means that any animals, plants, humans even trying to drink from this water source or even use it for irrigation will get these contaminated molecules which are dangerous so for example when we've always gone camping you're always told remember if you're going to do a poop uh, make sure you do it at least 100 meters away from a river or stream so that you don't contaminate it uh, and so that's the same if you're using compost especially if you're using manure as uh, a fertilizer that you make sure you use it away from a water source because if you contaminate the water source that's definitely bad for everyone downstream of you Sandia, auntie we ask her to talk and then she mutes herself you're muted <laughs> Thou art muted, Auntie. No, she oh, left. She left. Okay. Why is her internet? Why is her? She she's not supposed to be the one with the crappy internet. What's going on? Is the internet really that bad today? For humane purposes, make sure that any manure you use comes from pasture cows or free range cows rather than confined cows. This causes a diet change in the cows and leads to a change in the effectiveness of the manure that comes from the cows. So that's interesting. So actually, the manure is less effective. No, it, yeah. So it's one benefit of of keeping your cows free range, or making sure that they're feeding off pastures, is that it'll actually um, make the manure more effective because they're taking in more nutrients, and hence, I guess their manure has more value, right? That's better than if they're like rather. I guess on the flip side, I just we didn't say that is that they're being confined, and when they're confined. Um, they're actually being given feed often, and feed is just this nasty um, soy or corn, which is mass-grown and is a huge contributor to soil degradation. And actually, that is not healthy for the cows to be taking in. Um, and so, yeah, it's just nastiness. Isha, can you tell us about how we can sort of prevent runoff? Um... So I guess um, another solution, well, another Solution is that you have to find ways, um, innovative ways to 
um, prevent runoff. So I guess maybe it's forming a gutter or a small, um, I don't know, a, some something like a gutter, I guess, to kind of prevent your runoff from traveling um, down into a river um, and just using minimal um, manure and compost, like we said, so that you're actually um, not contaminating underground water sources. Um, so it's just, I guess there's just a couple of innovative things you can do, like building certain um, ditches and kind of um, manipulating the way that the runoff would flow so that it doesn't flow into the river, right? So that's just one thing which you have to think about is maybe when you're doing it, maybe maybe you could um, invent, maybe if you're a listener and you, and you have interest in design or, um, yeah, design and technology and all that, maybe you can invent something to, um, yeah, to prevent um, large amounts of runoff from cropland. So another great alternative to another great alternative to fertilizers i guess is the use of leguminous plants for example peas or beans to insert nitrogen into the soil so this is sort of like a plant that you can harvest for example i like to eat peas and beans um but it's also an active fertilizer it's literally pumping that nitrogen into the soil and this does the same but better job than inorganic fertilizers and you also get to eat the plant when it's ready to be harvested. Similarly, other plants can also serve the same job. This is a permaculture and more specifically polyculture, or as I like to say, multiculture, solution to the use of fertilisers. And for more on polyculture, multiculture, which plants to plant with which, a link, the link, will be provided in the show notes. Yep. Um, and I just wanted to also say... Um, another solution. So there's many, many solutions, and I, I guess it's kind of doing all of them, which is going to help. Um, the next solution is small-scale compost. So like we've been saying, start your own little compost pile with all your, um, well, basically with all your food waste minus the meats. Um, Oscar's gone on a rant about this about five times already, but um, start your own small-scale uh, compost. And we can't, we can't, emphasize this enough just um it's so easy to do and it's really beneficial for your crops and although there are downsides that we've highlighted it's actually it's really beneficial for the plants and if it's not large scale it's not putting off large amounts of greenhouse gases and other gases so it's it's i mean it's not a huge deal to start a small compost compost pile um finally sandia would you like to end this off so most of all, and all of the solutions here, you need to reduce your usage of everything, of, of fertilizers. So as mentioned earlier, it's the overuse of manure that leads to the bulk of manure emissions. It's, it's people dumping all of their, what, what did it call, Oscar called them? Like cow pats? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ca- cow manure, pies. cow pies. Okay. We say in, the, uh, in Vermont, at least, cow pies. <laughs> Don't. Dump all your cowboys pies on your um on your crops. That's not gonna help them unless you use them properly. Um, this is the same for other decomposing fertilizers such as compost. And um, although it doesn't say it here in the show notes, and we should probably add it later, don't even think about using like man-made fertilizers. Um, anything else, guys? Yeah. So in on the Discord, one of our community members had a piece of feedback, which was that. Um, a lot of the solutions we're giving don't take into account the economic viability for 
application at a large scale on large scale commercial agriculture. And as a response to that, for fertilizers, I wanted to say that first of all, the overuse of fertilizers costs commercial agriculture a lot of money. Um, and the less fertilizer you use, the, the less money you spend on fertilizer, that is definitely a win for any commercial agriculture business. The use of compost, which is using organic waste, even on a large scale, having compost piles that are made from organic waste on the same farm saves commercial applications a lot of money. It's been shown that um, on a sort of different side, p- uh, farmers who practice regenerative farming have more profits per per acre, per hectare of land. So I... Uh, using less fertilizer or using alternatives to fertilizer or decomposing fertilizers rather than inorganic fertilizers save money, especially in the long term, because inorganic fertilizers are like a drug. Hisho, I know you had something to say. And yeah, just to add to that, um, on the point of leguminous plants or leguminous plants, um, this multiculture or polyculture is, was the, the actual term, but multiculture, as Oscar says, um, it's actually, the thing is, the, the cool thing is that you can actually make money by selling your peas and beans which you plant and it's benefiting your crops your other crops and your soil fertility so it's actually it's not like a huge like I, it's really easy to get um beans to like plant and it's it's they grow pretty well and then it's actually just benefiting you for years rather than enabling you to degrade your soil and then costing you money so it's just adding to that like i do understand so i some of the things we've been highlighting like um, we we highlighted in I think maybe episode five that oh, my sister just messaged me that um, alternate tilling forms um, there's some technologies which you can use and that is not accessible in places like Malawi of course and even if it was not everyone can afford that um, especially the local farmers um, who do that for their own subsistence subs- I can never say this word but for them to eat um, uh, yeah that's it okay. Um, and so it's, uh, I, like, I understand that that might not be, you know, a feasible option for them, but there are still alternate tilling forms, which can be done by hand, which are feasible. So like, we try to highlight everything. So whether you're like a large scale farmer who can afford certain things or a small scale, my sister keeps messaging me or a small scale farmer who can't afford that. We're trying to highlight a lot of solutions so that you can kind of pick the best and, and kind of do as much as you can. Very well said. Okay, um, awkward silence. So um, with that, I don't think that there's anything else to say. We're going to be moving on to the article club. The article which I have here just um, for today just serves to elaborate on um, why algae, algae blooms um, due to fertilizers are harmful. So this is like what Oscar was saying, kind of, but elaborating on that. Um, and this, uh, this, this link is from, uh, this article is from North Dakota State University and is titled Environmental Implications of Excess Fertilizer and Manure on Water Quality. Um, so I'll just start this off. And I think this, we might go on a little bit of a rant about this. So microorganism growth reduces oxygen content which means that fish and other aquatic species suffocate. Invasive species and unwanted plant matter will be boosted in a similar way to crops. This process is known as eutrophication. People and animals then lose fish as a food source. And some algae cause nausea, diarrhea, rashes, and respiratory problems. Also, ammonia toxicity then becomes a problem. Um, So, you know, we, 
sort of fecal matter, um, which is like basically manure, can, can contain bacteria, parasites and fungi, and this can make people sick. Nitrate, so nitrous oxides, I guess, is sort of like a nitrate. Toxicity can become a problem, and this can cause a disease called nitrate poisoning. Oh, that's interesting. What, what are, like, the symptoms of nitrate poisoning? Is it, like... When fish are suddenly exposed to very high nitrate levels, they will usually die within 24 hours of exposure. Symptoms include loss of appetite, rapid gill movement, high respiration, listlessness, acting days, loss of equilibrium, disorientation, laying on the tank bottom or, I guess, riverbed, if curl head to tail. Um, this is freshwater aquarium fish from the, the spruce pets. I'll just keep that tab open so I can... And our final downside to these... Our final downside to this runoff is bad odors and gases are also released due to this growth. So as you can see, there are not any benefits of runoff. Um, and so this is a huge, huge problem with um, the use of fertilizers. You can really see that it, it just it really just destroys aquatic ecosystems. And that's really sad to see because aquatic ecosystems are one of the most impressive ecosystems on the planet it's just like so fascinating they're so varied and so you know it's just it's such such an amazing thing going to waste um just because of us overusing um uh, fertilizers so i guess it's just that idea of um you know runoff prevention so those innovative forms to prevent runoff from um, harming our ecosystem, and that's something we, we really have to make sure that we're doing. Uh, otherwise, we're going to lose a lot of animals and a lot of um, beautiful natural landscape. Um, and anything else, guys? Okay, and so I think that with that, we will be ending this episode. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Fighting Failure.